You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God said to Abram, He said, I want you to move from your country. Take your family, all your belongings, everything you know, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Can you imagine God coming to you and asking you to leave all that's familiar, to go to someplace you don't know, you've never been, you don't really know much about, to leave behind familiarity, your routine? But yet that's exactly what God told Abram to do. And later he would become Abraham, and he and Sarah would conceive a child together in old age. And Abraham would become the father of all nations because of his obedience. And because of his obedience, God told Abram, Abraham, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. It's in Genesis we find one of the first examples of salvation. When God credited Abraham's acts of obedience as righteousness. That's salvation, folks. When you are obedient to his call in your life. Now, a team of us, 27 total, 9 from Misty Creek, felt kind of like Abram in a way. When God called us to leave our families, our vocations, our jobs, our responsibilities, all of our familiar routines, and go to this land that he wanted to show us, not just an average place to go. And as we walked in the footsteps of Jesus, as we heard the stories of both the Old Testament and the New Testament retold in the vicinity of where they actually occurred, it dawned on us. God revealed to us, I am glad that you're here, thankful that you've chosen to come and walk where I walked, where I first inspired my people. Thank you for wandering just for a little bit in the wilderness, though you didn't have to do that For 40 years, but you got to see that wilderness and you saw why it was so hard to make it to the promised land, the land of milk and honey that God promised his people. But God revealed something to us that I want to share with you right now. He revealed to us, although we were at the birthplace of Jesus, although we were there at the tomb where he resurrected. We were there at Golgotha, the place of the skull. We walked the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, to Calvary, the Latin word for the place of suffering, the hill of the skull. He reminded us, I'm not there. I'm not in that tomb. I'm not in that grave. I'm not on a cross. You know where I am? He reminded us. 
Oh, yes, we know he ascended into heaven. We know he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. We know that. But where he is and where he will forever will remain is right here within us. For he is part of us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Folks, his timing for me and for the eight other people from this church that went to the Holy Land was his perfect timing. I often question, why, Lord? Why has it been so long? I've had three other opportunities to go to the Holy Land, and all three were canceled. One came during 9-11. The other two, they were canceled because one was canceled because of COVID, and one was canceled because our archaeology professor from my seminary, he died a few weeks before the trip. So I often thought, I guess I'm not going to ever make this pilgrimage, this journey to the Holy Land. But God had other plans. He knew when the right time was. And he knew the group of people that I needed to go with. His timing is always perfect. And I'll say this to you. His timing for when you go, and I hope you will go one day, will be perfect. It wasn't your time yet. But when it's your time, he will reveal to you when it's your time. But if you never go, don't be disappointed. Because guess what? He's not there. His spirit is there. But he's just as alive and real in my life as I told these teenagers right now in this moment as he was when I was there. Was it sacred and holy to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and go through that narrow little gate and walk in there and become eclipsed with emotion to know that my Savior was in this vicinity. may not have been this exact spot where we were, but to know it was in this vicinity, in this garden, where there were olive trees, hundreds and hundreds of years old, and to sense the Holy Spirit come upon me, that was special. Other than when I accepted Christ in my life, married this beautiful woman and had my two children, our two children, This is the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. And it would not have been possible had it not been for this church, your prayers, and your support. And I really want to thank our leadership team for sponsoring me and sending me on this trip. And I praise God for the eight other folks, and I think most are here this morning. Maybe are all of you here? Is that not a testament, folks? They were on a just yesterday... 15-hour total flight with a three-hour layover. Seven-hour time difference. We're seven hours ahead of you right now in our, in, inside, in our minds. And they are here this morning. That ought to be a testimony to you and I. I want to say this to you. We received some teaching that I'll never forget on this trip. From our guide who I believe we had the best guide you could possibly have. He was a a Palestinian Christian. And he was anointed. And not only was he able to tell us about all these sacred special spots and places. He was able to quote, quote scripture and share from his heart. He cared for us. He loved us. We were never rushed. It wasn't one of these let's get them to the tourist trap where they can spend all of their money Well, there's only one person that really spent all their money in here, but we won't go there. Um, And so the team, the leadership, how they poured into us. But we had a devotion on the bus. And every morning and afternoons, we devotions on the bus. We would worship on the bus. 
We would have devotions and scripture reading in each spot that we went. And if you saw our itinerary, it would overwhelm you, that the, all the things that we did. I had friends tell me that they had gone to the Holy Land for 12 and 14 days and didn't do half of what we did. It's because of the organization, the administration, the logistics of this trip, better than anything I believe I could have experienced. So well organized. We got to go to all these places. But we talked about thin places. Maybe you've never heard of thin places. I'm not talking about thin as in thin. Because if you go to the Holy Land, you will eat like a king or a queen. It's a Mediterranean diet. The food is over the top. It's buffets at all times. We have these things called swarmas. Chuck experienced them more than most of us. Um place to go. I'm going to get a swarma. What are you going to eat? Swarma? Let me guess, Chuck. You're getting a swarma. Yes, I'm getting a swarma. Robert was right behind him with the swarma. Matter of fact, I would eat half my swarma and Robert would eat the other half. Robert was my roommate. It was great. We went out on the town at night. Like I said, we were. We didn't party like it was 1999, but we did party like it was 2023. Actually, we went walking in the evenings. You know, and these thin places where heaven meets earth. And in a few weeks, I'm going to have Joy Percival share with us in more detail what that means because she articulates it in a beautiful way. And I was so thankful that Joy went on this trip with us. She had been before about 10 years ago, and she was able to provide such spiritual leadership and guidance while we were on this trip. And even she said it was unlike anything she had ever experienced. And I think we all would testify to that. But thin places where... Heaven meets the earth. They come together. You know, heaven's here, here's the earth, and they come together. We're in a thin place right now. And honestly, our worship team, God through our worship team, has led us into that place. Last week as I was watching the service, um, I wasn't able to watch it live because, again, it was a seven-hour difference, but we were able to watch it at a different time as I was worshiping with you all As I was listening with my heart to Doug's message, I entered into a thin place where heaven and earth came together. Whenever I'm with this youth group, even at breakfast at Panera, I'm in a thin place. When I was in the Holy Land with this team, heaven and earth came together. It's a beautiful thing, for you see, when you receive Christ as your Savior you automatically receive the gift of eternal life. Automatically. It's not something that you got to wait on. You receive it right then. Christ gives you the promise of eternity. It exists within you. And he wants you to live right now as kingdom people. Yes, He's leading you to an awakening, a real-time journey to an awakening. And you don't have to go to the Holy Land to be a part of that awakening. It's happening throughout our world. Folks, there are Muslims all over the world, thousands upon thousands, the number may be millions by now, that are receiving dreams directly from the Holy Spirit where Jesus Christ is coming to them and telling them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come unto me, all of you who are heavy burdened and laden, and I will give you rest. 
And they're coming to know Jesus Christ through these visions and through these dreams. We were able to go to Jordan, which is not the safest place to go, but we went to Jordan and we were able to worship with two Jordanian churches. Two churches in the middle of a chaotic place that they had to secretly worship. They had to cover the windows so that no one would know where they were. There was one young man in our midst who was staying in this church because it was a safe house for him. Where he was from, if he showed up, they knew that he became a Christian, he would be killed on the spot. His family had disowned him. But Christ had revealed himself so much to this young man that he left his country. He left his family. He left his routine. He left all that was familiar, and he came to be in this church that was hidden underground. We heard from pastors that were in Galilee, in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Tiberias, Nazareth, and they told us that people were coming to Christ Every day, new Christians. We went to the first Protestant church in the Middle East, Christ Church. And I'm so thankful for Kathy Trent for telling Chuck, you need to go to that church. It was not on our agenda. So we did a side trip, and Chuck did a wonderful job at leading us to that church. And it just so happens to be there was a Jewish man who came to Christ. And he just randomly did a tour guide. He was a tour guide for us in that church. And to tell us how the church was packed for the two services on Sundays, filled with folks that had come to know Christ. And to tell us that these Jewish folks that were coming to Christ, they're not considered converts. Their faith comes to completion when they receive Christ as their Messiah, as their Savior. There's a difference, folks. And we realized that we are Judeo-Christians. We have a Jewish heritage, and we learn to appreciate that heritage. We learn to appreciate the hospitality and the kindness of the Jewish people. And we were in, you know, we went through four different quarters that were in Jerusalem. The Armenian quarter, the Muslim quarter, the Jewish quarter, and the smallest one was the Christian quarter. And we went in all those quarters and visited those areas walked those streets, and we were in a very, very thin place during that time. I believe it was God's timing when he said to a handful of you to do something different in the Misty Creek subdivision in a home around April of 2019. I believe it was providential, his timing to bring us together as he did in that home and to bring us for such a time as this, to be here in this place. It's what God does when we're obedient, when we seek him, when we receive him. He gives us glimpses of how things can be and will be if we trust and lean in to him. It's a beautiful thing to know that our teenagers are beginning to realize that, are beginning to realize as God revealed to Jeremiah, Jeremiah didn't think he was sufficient enough to be a prophet, wasn't good enough. And God revealed to him 
In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And that's not just for these teenagers. That's for you no matter where you are in your life stage. I was talking to someone that said, You know, I, I can't go on the Holy Land trip. I'm too old. We had an 80-year-old man on the trip and his wife. I think she was 77. They were on the trip. They didn't miss a beat. They missed one day because he had a sore throat and it was raining. But other than that, and he said it was the greatest experience of his life. It's about attitude, isn't it? It's the attitude of your heart. How's your attitude? You see, for those of us who know Jesus, and he's first in our life, and we have an intimate relationship with him, the Holy Spirit gives us access to the attitude and the heart and the mind and the will and the thoughts of Jesus. Yes. And I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to make that commitment? Not to say, I'm a Christian, Stephen. I know who Jesus is. And, you know, I pray some and I go to church and that's good. I want to ask you, are you sold out completely to Jesus Christ? Have you made him Lord of your life? I have no questions whatsoever whether or not Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It didn't take me going to the Holy Land to confirm that, but he did confirm that when I arrived there. When I stepped foot on that holy ground, he confirmed who he is and what he's doing. And there is a revival, even more than a revival, there is an awakening that is happening in our world. Just recently, in the last few days, on the campus of Asbury and Duke, the chapel there has been filled with young people for 12 hours at a time, praying and worshiping and laying hands on each other. The Holy Spirit is moving in a magnificent way. And can I tell you this? I actually stood where Jesus had his last supper in that room where he was, and I was in that room where Pentecost happened, where the Holy Spirit descended upon them like tongues of fire. I was there. We were there. And in the same place, down below, under a lot of different ruins, was the tomb of King David, the believed tomb of King David. I walked the streets of the Via Della Rosa. I walked the street of Palm Sunday. And walked in his footsteps. And he reminded me each and every step that I took, he was with me. And his desire for me and our team and this church is our theme for the entire year. It has not changed. Each one reach one. But there's something else. He said, you're limiting me and yourself by just reaching one. You need to reach a lot more than that. And he said to me, you're going to hear a presentation in the next few weeks from our leadership team and our renovations team. He said to me, do not limit what I want to do by saying, well, we're going to, we're going to be able to seat this many people. Do not have the mindset of, you know, we're right at 200 members. That's a nice church. A good size, we all know each other, we're comfortable. He said, do not become comfortable, do not become complacent. He said, if your congregation truly loves me, and they truly love people, 
and they're making disciples. That's our mission. Love God, love people, make disciples. If we're living that out, then we will reach more than one, and there will be no empty seats in this place. There should be none. Do you know how many people beyond these doors do not know Jesus Christ? It's not just my responsibility. It's not just Doug's responsibility. You are the ministers. You are the body of Christ. And if you're living for the things of this world, anything else than, than Jesus Christ, then you're failing. Because we're only to live for Him. All the other things that we're trying to accomplish in life, these goals that we have, uh, the financial level we want to be at, all of that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. When that becomes our goal, then we're going to miss what God has in store for us. His plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a future and a hope. Now, I know Steve's back there with all these sermon notes and all these slides, the message that I prepared two weeks before I went to the Holy Land. He's saying, this is not in the notes. <laughs> and that's okay. You'll get that sermon at some point. But I wanted to speak to you today from the heart. And I know some of you were probably expecting, that's why some people may not be here, it's probably going to be a sermon all about his Holy Land trip and how we should have gone and all that. No. Our team has made a commitment. We're not going to say to you, oh, I wish you would have gone or you should have gone. We're not going to say that because it was not your time yet. Your time's coming. But we will share with you that this was a transformative experience. We will share with you that the fact that it rained two or three of the days and it was cold, that there were no complaints. Robert Dick made sure we didn't complain. He reminded us, I am on the other side of the world walking where Jesus walked. I'm going to take full advantage of this, whether it's rain, snow, or shine. And I was reminded of what my Savior did for me, how he suffered and bled and died for me. And I'm going to let a little bit of rain cause me to have a negative attitude? No way. And when we needed it to be beautiful and sunshine, like on the Sea of Galilee, it was a perfect day. It was smooth. It was not rough waters that Jesus and his disciples encountered. You remember when he was asleep in the front of the boat and he calmed the storm? We were there. We were on that sea where Jesus walked on the water and Peter came to him on the water. We were on that sea where he calmed the waves and just saying, peace be Steel. We were on the same sea that he caused their nets that had been barren for weeks to be overflowing with fish. We had some of those fish, by the way. Not the same ones that they caught. That would be weird. They'd be fossils by now. But we had tilapia. And some of us, like Melita and Robert, ate their fish the whole way with the head. And if you did not see our vlog, our posts, and our videos and all that, I want you to go back. Carl's going to put something magnificent together, and we're going to use those three Sunday evenings, and I want you all to come be a part of that. Because what that will be, it will not only be testimonies by our team, but it will train and equip you to be prepared for our next trip, whenever that will be, which I'm thinking in just a few years. I'm ready to go back already. And not for me, but I want you to experience it when it's time when it's time. But there again, if you never go, remember, Jesus said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He is with you always. 
You don't have to go to a land across the sea. The Mediterranean Sea was beautiful, by the way, in Tel Aviv. You don't have to do that. But it certainly does help put a picture with all these stories. And it confirms even more and more how real the Scriptures are to be in those places. I mean, to be in the Kidron Valley, to know we were in the same place where Elijah, with God's power, defeated the prophets of Baal. To be there. To be riding a camel through the wilderness where it's believed that Moses and the Israelites walked through that wilderness. To see the seventh wonder of the world, the lost city of Petra. Words are inadequate in expressing that. To know I touched places, walked on stones that Jesus had touched and walked on. It was just indescribable, folks. I had planned to do a, a recap of Advent leading up to Lent and all that's in these wonderful notes here. But I just knew I needed to tell you what I needed to tell you from God's heart to my heart. And so, Steve, I'm going to skip over a lot of that stuff. But I will say this. I'm skipping a lot, Steve. You're thinking, thank you, Jesus. We're going to get lunch at a decent time today. That's what you're thinking, I know. I will tell you this. Um, I want to say this about my brother, Doug. I wanted to be here for his birthday. That was a, a milestone birthday, by the way. Um, and I know some of you were here and you saw our little video message to Doug, and he had a special time of celebration with you down in the basement, and he got surprised by the men with some more cupcakes. So I think he's probably had plenty of desserts lately, kind of like we did on the buffets in uh, Jerusalem and Jordan. But while I was there, I felt like he was there too. Um, because our hearts are so connected, um, woven together. God did that. Um, I just look forward to the time that possibly we both can be there together with our spouses. I really wanted to have Karen there. There'll be a time for that. Um, let's talk about this table just for a moment. Holy Communion. In John 5, some of my favorite scripture, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, fruit will abound abundant in measure. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then I think about the psalmist saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, we can come to this table in a celebratory attitude. You know, for the disciples that gathered in that upper room where we visited, it was to be a celebratory time to celebrate the Passover. Now, let's, let's go back a little bit. So, when Jesus was an infant, his family, Mary and Joseph, would have taken him to Jerusalem 
for his consecration, for his presentation. Okay? And they would have made a sacrifice to do that. They didn't have a lot of money, so they really couldn't bring a lamb, an unblemished lamb. But they did bring the lamb, the lamb of lambs, Jesus Christ. Think about that theologically for a moment. You're like, what's theologically? Theology is your understanding of who God is. Don't let that word scare you. So he's presented in the temple as a child, as an infant, not even a child yet. And then we fast forward a little bit. He's a toddler when the magi, the astrologers, the wise men come and bring him the gifts. They're in a home by now. He's a little boy. And they bring their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We fast forward to when he's a 12-year-old boy. We don't know much about his life from his toddler years to his, you know, he's 12 years old. But he goes back in for his bar mitzvah. And that's really what it was. He goes back to the temple. So he goes back to the city for a second time. And he's in the temple, and he's with all the wise sages and the teachers. And he feels very good about being there. And when it's time for them to leave, there's a whole entourage of people because they've made that journey, that Mecca, inside the city. And they just figure Jesus is with everybody else. And they go on for days, not realizing he's not with them. And then when they return... To find him, he's in the temple and he's teaching and he's ooing and aahing everybody in the temple. His parents are upset and he says to them, why are you so upset? Don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? He needed to be there. He needed to be with other adults other than just his parents. He needed to be poured into as he was pouring out. He needed others, not just his earthly father Joseph and his mother. And that holds true for our young people, for this generation. There are so many that are taking their lives at a young age because they're not getting enough likes. They're not good enough. They're not smart enough. They don't look the part. And the world is chastising them to do this and to do that. And so they lose their value and their self-worth because of the world. So it's important for us to pour into our young people and our young adults, to adopt them, to teach them, to guide them, because the world is not going to give them what they need. They need Jesus, not all that other stuff. Jesus is always more than enough. And Jesus was getting filled up. So that was the second time he went into the city. And the third time would be his last As he's entering in now as a grown man with his disciples, with his followers, he's entering in for Passover. And as they're on the outskirts of the city walls, he reveals to his disciples that this is it. This is the end of the road. That when they enter in, he's going to be arrested and he's going to die. But they don't want to hear that. That's not what they want to hear. And it was really hard to hear as they're going into that city and people are laying down their cloaks and waving palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's really hard for them to hear that message because he's the king of kings. He's the Messiah. He's the one that they have watched walk on water. He's the one 
That caused Jairus' daughter to raise from the dead. He's the one that healed the woman who had the hemorrhaging issue for 12 years just from her touching the hem of his garment. He's the one that fed thousands and thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. This was their Messiah. So how could he die? This would be his last week going in. And he would do a lot of things in that week, wouldn't he? And then the Last Supper came. He gave his disciples specific instructions. How to prepare the room, what to do, what it was to look like. They did what he said. And they're thinking, Jesus is going to celebrate the Passover with us. How God rescued our people from the angel of darkness by putting blood above our doorpost, protecting our children and our household, and leading our our heritage, our generations, out of slavery into the promised land. And now everything was going to unfold, and Jesus' kingdom was going to come. But Jesus' kingdom was different. He told them that the kingdom of heaven was already at hand. The kingdom of heaven was present as soon as he entered in to our world, as soon as he pitched his tent amongst us, as soon as he chose to live within weak, fragile human limitations, the kingdom came. And you want to know something? The kingdom has never left. It's still here, and it lives within you. And he was trying to tell his disciples, I'm going to go away for a little while, and I have to, in order for the Holy Spirit to come. And that Spirit will empower you and equip you to do even greater things than I did. And he's sharing this kind of stuff around the table with his closest friends of the last three years. One of them is going to betray him. And then another one, the rock, Peter, is going to deny him three different times. And we we want to shame Judas and Peter. But you know, the only real difference between Judas, Peter, and the other disciples is the other disciples and Peter, even after denying Jesus, they stayed. They stayed with him. Judas was so overtaken with guilt and shame, he had betrayed Jesus. And so he left the group and took his own life. How many times have I done the same thing? And if you were to be honest, you've done the same thing. You've denied him. You've walked away from the fold. You've decided, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to sign up for that Bible study. I'm not going on the men's retreat. i got too much going on. I don't need to do that. When he's opening the door for you to expand your horizons and your faith and to come closer to him and to be equipped to be who he's called you to be, to take advantage of every single opportunity that he gives you to grow in your faith. And that's what he was trying to tell them around the table. Yeah, all of this is going to happen. It's going to be difficult for you as well as me. You're going to suffer a similar fate. And they all would, those disciples, they would die in some horrible ways. But you know what they had that you and I have too? They had the assurance of their salvation. They already had that promise of eternity within them. They were already experiencing the kingdom life. 
And oh yes, I look forward to the second coming. I can't wait for him to return and his kingdom to reign. I'm ready for that whenever it is. But I'm not focusing so much on that. I'm focusing on right now. Who can I reach for the cause of Christ? Who can I tell about Jesus? You know, we think we have it so hard sometimes. It's hard to witness to a neighbor, a co-worker. And then you go to a place in the middle of Jordan where there are two churches that are risking their lives to tell others about Jesus. And we get to that church and we're really late. And we get there and they don't care that we're late. They've been anticipating us coming. They can't wait till we get there. They've prepared an authentic meal for us. And we're hungry. And they begin to tell their stories. And we worship together. And we realize, man, we are part of something amazing, something great that's bigger than we are. We're connected with Christians and believers around the world. And that was why Jesus came to connect us to the vine, to call us and give us a purpose. And so when he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. In essence, he was saying, this is my body broken because of you. I'm going to face all kinds of pain. I'm going to be beaten and mocked and flogged and scourged and lose all dignity but I'm going to do it because I love you I don't want you to have to face this I want you to know that I'm going to willingly shed my blood for you I'm going to pour it out freely so that you don't have to I want you to know that not only am I going to take on this suffering, this painful death of crucifixion, but I'm going to soak into myself all of the sin of humanity that's ever existed and will ever come forward. I'm going to take on all of that so that you can have an intimate connection with my Abba, my Daddy, my Father, so that you can come to Him And behold Him as He is. And talk to Him just like I'm talking to you right now. If you've not made that decision to be sold out, to follow Jesus with everything that you are, everything else is secondary. Your faith cannot be secondary. You cannot take a vacation from your faith. If you go out of town, if if you're traveling, if you're down at the beach, you don't leave Jesus behind. He goes with you. You watch our service online. You listen to the podcast. You take the Word of God with you, even if it's on your device. Every single day you are praying. You are being connected to that vine. He died for you. He's worth it. You're worth it. You're worth that sacrifice. So I invite you, before we receive this holy meal, to bow before the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, Jesus Christ. Pray with me, if you will. Pray with your heart. You can pray aloud or you can pray silently. But this is a personal prayer for you. You're going to put your name in the blanks. Hey, Jesus. It's me. Put your name there. Hey, Jesus. It's Stephen. 
I need you, Jesus. There's a lot of distractions in my life right now. I've let everything else get in the way of my relationship with you. And I'm struggling. Don't seem to have any peace. And yet I know in my heart that your peace is a peace that's not of this world. I know in my heart that you have overcome the world. I know that you are the Messiah. I want to live for you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for falling short of who you created me to be. Restore me. Deliver me. Be the king of my heart. Save me, Jesus. I receive you right now as my Savior, as my Lord, my King. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and coming into my life. I praise you and I magnify your holy name. And I pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.